Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Carabo Rancapole, who gave birth April 6th during the COVID-19 restrictions, which changed her birth plan drastically. Under her hospital's amended policy, her partner was not allowed to support during the birth and had only one hour to see her during her labor. We are in crazy times, so it is a pleasure and wonderful to be able to speak to you today. So hello, Carabo. How are you? Hi, hi. I'm good. How are you, Laurel? Good, 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 good. And just a heads up, she has her beautiful son with her today, so he may be shouting out, giving his uh, good I'm here vibes. <laughs> That's right. Don't forget me. I'm a part of the story. Um, Carabo, can you please start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Again, I'm, yeah, Carabo Lankapule, 26 years old, um, new mom. <laughs> um, got a one month, one day old baby. Yeah. And yeah, live in South Africa and currently on maternity leave right now slash lockdown. Don't know which one it is exactly. <laughs> and yeah, that's about it. You're doing great. You're doing great. New mom doing great. That's right. <laughs> you. Yeah, you're making connections. Right. Ready to share your story, and that's going to be a service to someone else out there right now that's awaiting their little one. Can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy? Um, my pregnancy is quite a good one. Um, I don't know whether to say it was an easy one or what, but yeah, it was quite chilled. Didn't have like all like sorts of complications and stuff. I was expecting all those sort and feed because. I remember I've been through, I've been with my friends who are pregnant and like with swollen feet and all of that. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm about to have that. You know that. So it was quite a chilled one. Um, I'm a teacher, so that too as well, walking around from class to class, from <laughs> one point to another, walking around the classroom and so on. Yeah, that really kept me active. So. Yeah, that's pretty much my pregnancy in a nutshell. And yeah, it was pretty a great one in terms of support that I got as well. Because again, I'm teaching, I work at a girls' school, and just the, what do you call this? The environment was pretty, pretty great. Like now and then you just get, how are you doing? Are you okay? Are you tired? Do you want a break? Do you want, you know? So I think, yeah. Um, it went pretty well. It was just a few moments here and there where um, there were just a few emotional, well, emotionally intense situations that I faced at work, but managed to pull through that. So, yeah. I always find being pregnant and a teacher can be interesting because <laughs> it's a job that requires you to yeah. be on your feet and be interactive. And, um, you know, I don't, yeah. I, um, used to teach as well so breaks are you don't really get breaks <laughs> so managing all of that while pregnant um can be really tricky so yeah 
And um, there was a time when we had invigilation because um, the kids were writing a test. And luckily the teacher who was in charge of the whole timetabling and stuff, um, she's one of a good friend. And she's like, you know what? I know you're going to need a whole lot of pee breaks in between invigilation. Give me a ring. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> takes away you're like uh my bladder needs rescuing please <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes oh so tricky Bravo, tell us how you prepared for your birth your pregnancy how was it how was your pregnancy um your preparation for the birth i know <laughs> we were all just so worried my partner and i and my friends were all like Phew. Are you ready for labor? <laughs> Do you like? Are you ready for that? <laughs> and I remember one thing that we always just said was like, we "Should have a playlist." Actually, we just we must just have a playlist. Get ourselves ready for when it hits, when the pains are there. Just make sure that the playlist is ready, and we're going to be dancing for all the music that's there, and just try to get out of the pain. Try to get out of the pain. So. <laughs> Part of our planning or yeah, our preparation for the birth was having a labor playlist, interesting enough. And ooh, I remember how I wanted to just have a full-on experience and see how everything happens and how everything goes. Like seeing every single thing, making sure that when baby pops out, there is someone recording that and I'm able to see that. So it was so point where I was like, okay, let's get an action camera, actually, <laughs> to record all of this. And, yeah, that was part of the um, planning that we had, um, just trying to get our headspace right, making sure that whatever it is that gets to happen during um, the birth experience, it's all good and stuff. So, yeah, trying to get that playlist. Oh, and there was a point where we are like, make things easier we should just have a mini games night if it happens that i'm delivering at night let's have a mini games night let's have games that we're going to play get ourselves into the mood just so that when the time comes the energy is all there so yeah that's how we prepared for it and just emotionally getting myself ready for what i'm about to experience or what i'll be experiencing and just being there and thinking, oh, I just can't wait for that wonderful moment of just holding my baby in my arms. So, yeah, so a bit of um, emotional preparation. Physically, mm -hmm. obviously, all the activity, the walking around and stuff that was happening. And yeah, just right. spiritually, emotionally, mentally getting myself. So, as things with your hospital changed and shifted in terms of their policies, you had made these plans. How did they shift for you once you realized your husband, your partner, wasn't going to be able to be with you for much of that time that you had planned for? Yeah, that was something else. Hey, your like literally everything changed. Pretty much none of what we had planned happened because of that. Because I remember. Um, when I got to the hospital, uh, my mom and dad dropped me off. Well, they were supposed to be taking me there and so on. And then we got to the, what's this, to the door and they were like, um, well, 
this is where your journey ends and this is where hers begins and you can give us the bags and so on and we will take them in and i'm like what they're like yep no what is her and i press you like that was your and you know like i'm saying like when you prepare yourself for everything and then now all of a sudden everything just has to take an entire 360 and you're like what just happened so there so, was yeah, no notice no fair no no they didn't so i realized that maybe i was supposed to go on to the website and check but i didn't think um the whole policy thing would be implemented right then um because right. it was what is it 6th of april um we had our lockdown um from the 26th of march since 6th of march that's when the whole lockdown started in south africa and there hadn't been um you know i don't think that they would phase in that part so quickly and kind of called for hospitals and so on so i was like oh, okay everything is still as planned so it was pretty much a shock when we got there and that's what we learned so yeah no notice anything like I thought maybe at least there would be an email um we see that you booked some on this day so just be aware of one thing but nana that yeah so, yeah so we got there exactly yeah, how crazy is that like to me <laughs> the first thought is like you said you have people with with um due dates coming around doctors and care providers should be reaching out to be like hey Your due date's coming up soon. This is what the birth is going to look like now. Thank you very much. <laughs> None of that. Wow. And I'm just like, imagine if someone was under so much stress and labor that immediately when you say that and they weren't aware, and then right then they're like, boop, baby out. Right. Right. I mean, that is so... Yeah, so we got to... the hospital and that's what they said so the security had to be the one now taking my bags and um taking them to my room so right then the last time i saw my parents was when i was pregnant <laughs> they didn't even know where i stayed in the ward which one was forever and that was it and then yeah so that was that and then had to then find in all of that and then got to my um ward by my bed and that's when i asked like so what's the whole policy and stuff and that's when they explained it said um your the only person who's allowed is your partner or the dad and um they only have one hour with you each day mind you this is a hospital where your visiting hours are actually and it was one of the reasons i went for that hospital because the visiting hours are from 8 a.m. in the morning yeah well 2 a.m. this morning 8 a.m. all the way to 9 p.m. and people can come through any time between that or even one person can be there all the way from 8 a.m. all the way to 9 p.m. so now with the whole restrictions it's like all of that time has been now one hour so that was crazy I have so many questions but I want to <laughs> I think if you tell us 
from the beginning how your birth went, then some of them might get answered. So, please, mm -hmm. can you tell us how your birth story happened from the beginning to the end? Yeah. So I got there, um, and then I had to be induced uh, because my actual due date was the was the third of April, and then the doctor said um, come through on the fifth in the evening or early hours of the sixth of April so that we can induce you. So induction happened at three a.m. Um, and the induction was for like a good six hours. Oh my word! Can I just say? I thought I knew what induction was until, oh my goodness. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just give you some liquid to drink. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but they go way, way far. <laughs> so yeah, the induction happened at 3 a.m. Um, and they said six hours they're going to come in and check what's happening and then six hours that was 9am 9am they came in nothing I just had like minor pains and stuff so that was crazy so they had to now give me a second dose second dose at 9am 9am then whoo and then the pain started 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 and so on and they kicked in um, and then that's when I got a little bit of a sign that okay what is about a break soon or just like or the whole bloody situation <laughs> and then <laughs> and then um the nurse came in to check up on me and so on and then um what time was it? i think around 10 11 yeah 11 somewhere there that's when the doctor came in as well my gynae came in to um break the membrane so that the water can do its thing there. Yeah, that too was quite a shocking experience. Can I just say how ready I thought I was for this whole thing? <laughs> you know, you go in yeah. with the perception and come out like, oh, I didn't know it was like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, I've got this on lockdown. I know what actually happens. I mean, hello, I'm a bio teacher. I know what happens. <laughs> and now I'm like, hmm. I have to go back and go through the lessons again and like, so girl, this is actually what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so the induction happened and it was quite a good one. Um and then um yeah, so the doctor checked and so on. So Checking the cent again, checking the centimeters wasn't what I thought it would be. <sighs> Why were we not told about these things? It's a whole, you know, we've had this conversation before. The things that should be talked about, getting the cervical check feels like what that means. I'll, keep going. Just. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> what, when we talk about our bodies, these are the things that need to be discussed. Yes. Because <laughs> here was what I thought happened. You just open your leg and they just look and they're like, okay, it looks like a two centimeters. 
<laughs> nah, fam. <laughs> so, so they take um first time they did that, um the nurse who who checked oh yeah, no, one of the things I must say, the the sisters were very amazing. So friendly, so loving, so caring. It was it was just so beautiful. And I think that also just made it so beautiful because I think they were also aware, obviously they are aware of what's happening and how um, the policies have been amended and so on. And they just tried their very best to just make sure that you don't feel like you're alone. And they were just there and helping me out with that. So that was very beautiful. So they checked, um, okay, dilation was happening and so on. And it got to around, say, like your three centimeters, four centimeters, then five. Then it got to like six and so on. and I think I'd say that like six centimeters for a good oh, two hours or so. And yeah, so the doctor came and checked. It's like, okay, you're about five, six centimeters. The nurse came and checked, you're about five, six centimeters. And then um, the shift for the other nurse had ended. And there was another nurse who came in and also checked. And she was like, okay, yeah, you're about six centimeters and so on. And then... Um, when the, when the doctor came back, when the gynae came back to check again to see the progress, when after he had seen that it was six centimeters, that's when he was like, um, it doesn't look like there's any progress now because you're still at six centimeters. And the last time I checked you, you were at six centimeters. So what I will tell you right now is that we will have to um, opt for a cesarean or have to opt for an operation. So just get your mind ready, get yourself ready, and just know that that's what would be best because we don't want any fetal distress and so on and so on. And at that point, I'm also like, oh, can somebody take this thing away? <laughs> because, wow, I listened to music, I rocked to music, I walked around the world, and whoo, my. Lord. So, yeah, and then the nurse came in um, and checked again, and turns out um, the baby was also obviously doing his part, trying to push out and so on, but was also quite struggling. And they mentioned what was it, couples or something like that? I forgot the word that he that she mentioned. So that then was like, okay, yep, let's do the cesarean because, yeah, I don't want any kind of further complications. So right then, um, had to sign documents and stuff. And I remember, funny enough, when I got to the hospital and I was talking to the nurse um, who um, signed me in and so on, I'm like, so what happens if a person comes in here and they're like in intense labor and have to sign all these documents? And she's like, see, they'll have to sign them because we don't want any problems. And next thing, bam, a few hours later, I'm the one signing all those documents in all that pain. I'm like, whoa, what did I just do to myself? <laughs> so that had to happen, sign all of those. And the only thing I could do right then was to just, because I kept informing um, the family as to what's going on. And right then, that's the only thing I could do, to just yeah. say, so the dilation is collected, no progress, so we're going in for um, cesarean, and that's all that they had to know, and that's all that they knew. And again, birth plan has changed completely. So 
yeah, and then um, we went in for that. And the psyche, another psyche thing was that because of um, the whole restrictions that took place, um, even transport um, changed. Like there were curfews also included that you couldn't be around the streets at this time or you couldn't be driving around this time and so on. So even that had an impact because during labor, I was still there all by myself because my partner couldn't be there. Um, because if he came through, um, coming through wasn't a problem because transport was still available, but the problem would have been him going back um, to his place because by then transport wouldn't be available because he had to um, um, use, like, you will take the fire and your Uber and stuff. So that too, like, your Uber, your take the fire had a certain cutoff time. So because of that, then I had to go through a whole by myself. And anyway, they had said that um, he can't be there during the delivery process. So again, birthing plan completely. I was like, just taking the paper that you had written down, everything, a beautiful essay and so on, just take it and just burn it actually, just yeah. so that there's no trace at all. So that's literally what happened. So yeah, and then went in for the cesarean and um, luckily the nurse was able to take a few pictures and stuff even though it's not really what I wanted because I wanted the whole video yeah. how everything happens and everything happens so um, that's what could happen so nurse could only just take those few pictures um, no video that I actually wanted to be seeing and watching one beautiful day and um, yeah I went in I went in for the cesarean around half to seven, no, to eight, um, around quarter to eight um, or so. And um, everything happened in there. And by quarter past eight, quarter past eight, my son was born. Or, yeah, my son was born. And then everything happened then. And then back to the ward. And I was there for sure. How long was it before I woke up? I think I woke up around 12 o'clock or so after struggling to sleep because of all the shivering. Mm -hmm. Even that was like just a shock. I'm like, why are we not told about these things in detail? <laughs> so yeah, just that. And that's how my son was born and the whole birthing experience that I had to go through during this tough time. So it was quite an intense journey. Yeah. You just face by yourself. Well, I'm you live to the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, the strength to do that. Um, yeah. It's just having, I mean, literally having to navigate the mental aspect, the emotional aspect, the physical aspect mm -hmm. of everything shifting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't put words to walking up to, you know, go start your birthing journey. And then someone's like, like you said, this is where this it ends for you and begins for her. And you're like, what, what, is, what do you mean? Um, and then it's also interesting to hear the different, like here where we live, um, you know, there is the, in Columbus, Ohio, there are the shelter in place, but you know, you, you can still go out for essential things. Um, 
our local transportation mm-hmm. is still we're, like going as normal with restrictions about like wearing face masks and stuff. But with hospitals, oh. you can have mm-hmm. at least one support person with you. So I'm just trying to, in my head, to piece together them saying, oh, he can only see you for one hour. Like, what mm-hmm. hour do you pick? I mean, you're having a bit, you're in labor. So it's like, all right, from 10 to 11, come check me out. Like, and was that one, and you said one hour a day? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, one hour a day. I just. Yeah, it, it actually got worse because it was one hour a day um, when I arrived. Um, so we're like, I remember we were on the phone and I'm like, okay, so here's how we can do it. Um, when things get very intense, then I guess you can make your way. And things got intense in the evening, so he couldn't make his way. And then the next day, um, he could actually come for that one hour. And then on that day, that's when they're like, okay, so management has now changed um, the policy again. And what they're saying now is, he can only, or your partners can only come um, between 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. That's the hour that management has now chosen for everyone. I'm like, really now? Why would you do that? So it moved from just being one hour to it being one hour, which is this certain hour. And yeah, that too was also just something to try to navigate. And I mean, we fully understood the fact that um, it's all for our safety, it's all for the safety of our babies and so on. It was just so strange um, to, I mean, an hour really for a person who's about to be given birth or for a person who's just given birth, the support that they actually need. I'm not saying that other people with other illnesses somewhere could be given that hour only, but I'm just saying that have you considered the mental state of the person? Have you considered the emotional state? Have you considered all those kind of um, aspects to be just saying, let's just go for an hour? You know, so that was also just the experience. Right. And we've we've said this and thinking about all these protocols put in place, like you understand the the necessity for them. But I think when you think about Mm what's happening with someone we also have to think about that as well like this is a specific time where we need people need to be supported um Mm. and also i think you know i there's a hesitation of okay you don't want the support person there but like the support person's been with the person all this time so if we're nervous about um germs and all that stuff transferring yeah the exposure they're already exposed you're not (laughs) nothing is you're not changing anything so that to me doesn't work as a (laughs) as an excuse but i mean here you are you're having to go through the labor you're having to advocate for yourself you're having to keep your family informed you're having to make decisions that is a lot yeah. to put on a person. And we and you even yeah. brought this up too. Like we talk about stressors and what that does to the body and how and I mean we and Danielle talk about when we speak with our family's doulas, like, you know, you could have someone who's progressing one minute and then somebody else comes in the room and that energy or that changes the environment and then you have someone who's not progressing. So there's just right. 
Well, the baby just needs a break. Right. Right. Yeah. So sure. I just, and then I think on the other side of that, your family also trying to figure out how to support you. You know, your mm -hmm. husband's like, I need to be with her, but I can't leave at these hours. because, Like, I can't even, like, you know, I already frustrated with the protocols that we have in place, but to then hear, like, there's certain hours that you can be out like to me, that's essential. My partner is <laughs> in labor. That's essential. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> like, I just yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm really hoping things are changing now because um, we're now into so they've now um, put our lockdown into different levels and stuff. So we were in level five, and now we're in level four. So I'm really hoping that at least for, you know, other mothers, things are changing or are getting better because, shoot, it's, it's not something you want to go through all by yourself. No, no. Uh, just <laughs> thinking about your surgery um, and, and going through such a serious thing for yourself and, and kind of in a quick way, right? Like you didn't really have time to think about it, um, even though there was no distress, right? It was just the... You know what I mean? Thought of distress was that correct? What you were saying that that they chose to have the surgical birth just in case the baby went into distress, but there was no actual distress. Um, slightly because they had that whole monitoring thing, and it was almost you know the the pattern was starting to change, the graph was starting to change even then. So those okay. were some of the things that the Gaini was also just pointing out. So this is what's currently happening and so on. So make a decision. So right. you're still, I mean, postpartum forever, but you're still in the, the new part of that. And I think still wrapping your mind. What has postpartum been like for you? I mean, with the restrictions, I know that that's then probably has shifted what your postpartum plans were. Um, so how has postpartum been for you? Um, I think just so far, it's just been, it's been okay. Um, obviously with the whole restrictions and stuff, my, one of my biggest worries at first was, uh, I need to get clothes for my baby. <laughs> cause, <laughs> but luckily, um, cause of baby showers and all the gifts that they get to give you, you're like, okay. I can work with all of them. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so um, even then, so I think, yeah, pretty much the postpartum isn't um, then, like the plan isn't as um, changed per se because uh, where we um, have to, in my family, it's the whole thing of you um, at home for like a good three months. <laughs> the only time you're going out is um, if you going to um, the doctor and so on. So culturally, anyway, um, it 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 was still gonna work out the whole three months staying in and so on. The only difference now is just that um, in terms of having visitors and just more people to just be there for you and so on. You can't necessarily have that because now all the restrictions that are put in place. So you're pretty much with the people that you're with. So. But yeah, it's been quite, I mean, it's been a month, but it's, it's yeah, so far I'd say, wow. 
<laughs> what a journey. <laughs> and like I was saying earlier, it's, it's, yeah, you learn, you learn um, things as things with time, one cry at a time, one smile at a time. You just learn through all of that. And then you just experience a few emotional moments here and then. And you're like, why, why am I going through this? Why am I crying? Like, you look at your baby and you just start crying. And you're like, is this normal? What's happening? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I rushes. Yes. Uh, like, it's just so insane. I'm like, wait, am I only pregnant now? Or is this <laughs> supposed to be happening? Like, why am I being emotional now? Wasn't I supposed to be emotional during the pregnancy? What's happening to me? Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, so it was it was quite crazy. But another your another thing that quite scared me during the postpartum, there was a moment when um my um feet were swollen mm. and I just didn't understand whoa what's actually going on here. And the other one got better, but the other one just stayed swollen. You're like, okay, this is really intense. And it went on for days to a point where I even had to go to the doctor. And the doctor was like, whoop, okay, let's just feel, let's just see. And the next thing the doctor's like, well, I don't know what's going on. I think we'll just have to make you go to um, like an x-ray sort of just a sonar to see what's actually happening. I'm like, whoa, wait, what's the worst thing that could happen? And then the doctor was like, could be a DVT. It could be like a blood clot and stuff stuck in your... I'm like, whoa. I thought the doctors did their best by making sure that... Because um, they give you that whole um, injection to just make sure that, especially with the cesarean stuff, because your movement is lessened and stuff. So they give you the injection to just make sure that there isn't any blood clot. So at that moment, I'm like, wait, no, I cannot be experiencing that right now. Who's going to take care of my baby? Who's going to nurse my baby? Yeah. So, yeah, that was, quite, that was quite a scary thing to experience in just those few, like, just the first, oh, yeah, first week, actually, of postpartum. But yeah. it was just good to know that, you know, I, it was just a bit of an overreaction and everything was just okay. So uh, that does bring me to my question of like, what does going to see care providers look like? Are you, are they requiring it just be you? Have you, were you able to, I know in those first couple of weeks you have to see like a pediatrician. What does care provider visits look like for you all? Okay. Um, so luckily when it comes to the pediatrician, um, we only have to go, the first checkup we're going to go to the safety checkup. Um, because they did the whole, um, what is it called? I forgot what they call it. <laughs> the injections and so on. The first injections, sorry, yeah. on the last day when we were leaving, when we were going okay. to start. So likely the next time we to visit will be six weeks. But um, then for me to go to the doctor then, um, we had to make an appointment first. After making that appointment, the um, receptionist had to call you and ask you what's your reason for your visit you tell them the reason for your visit and they ask you so they do a mini screening I guess via the phone and so on have you had these symptoms have you had one two three and then you answer the questions and they're like okay then you can come through um, at the time that you've booked your appointment however when you come through you're just going to sit in your car and wait until we do say that you can 
come into the um, into the practice. So you, when you get there, you have to call them and say, hi, so I'm here for my 10 o'clock appointment. And then they're like, okay, just wait a little bit. And then after a few minutes, they call you back and they're like, okay, you can come in. And then that's when you can come in and they do the mini screening then as well. And then you see the doctor and then you go. So that was, that was when I went to the doctor. So remember I said that the doctor in, um, referred me to a sonar. So to yeah. get there, you had to go to the hospital. Get into the hospital. Um, luckily, my mom was there with me. So she drove me to the doctor and then drove me to the hospital. Get into the hospital. Um, the only person who was allowed in was me. So mom had to be in the car and in the parking lot. You get into the hospital, then they ask you your reason for your visit. You show them whatever, like the referral letter. And then they take you through the screening there as well, ask you those questions. And then they put on like a mini sticker on you to show that they have asked you questions and so on. At first I was like, whoa, it's like we are animals being tagged. Oh. Like a farm. They're like, okay, we can see that one has been tagged. That one. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> and then it looked a bit strange. <laughs> so yeah, that was that. And then um, after they've checked and everything, given you the sticker, then you go to wherever you're going to. When you get there, um, at the at the yeah X-ray place I went to, what they did was with the chairs, because usually you just sit right next to each other. Remember? Yeah. So yeah. There'd be a chair facing, showing that you can sit here, and there would be a chair that's facing the other way to show you can sit here. So that was yeah. quite good in terms of what they were trying to do with right. social distancing. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that was the process, and then after that, yeah, and then they asked obviously even then again. So Constant every checking. single part you went through, it was a matter of checking and making sure that yeah. um, they've done their part and you signing, you also saying, I have taken part in this and I have truthfully answered the questions and stuff. Yeah. So didn't yeah. even, and I didn't even think to ask, like we didn't even think to ask about when your husband finally got to see you and the baby, like you mm-hmm. had the... <laughs> You in shock by all the craziness of it. I forgot to ask that part. Um, you had this experience. When did he get to come up? Did he get to see you all at the hospital? In the hospital, or was it like, okay, we're done here. Come pick me up. No, it was at the hospital. It okay. was at the hospital. So what they also yes, one thing they also said was that only one person can come into you, and obviously that's going to be your partner, and he will have to be the one who's there. Um, who's coming through every single day. So if you happen to have two partners, unfortunately, only one can be able to come in. So they'll have to pick. So it was a matter of that. (laughs) So it was a matter of that. So yeah, he came through the next day because that's also when I got to see um, my baby because that evening was just, yeah, the shock of my life kind of evening. And then you just slept through it. And then the next morning, that's when they brought in the baby, all bathed and stuff, and sat with him a bit, learned how to feed and lurch and so on. And then he came through, yeah, a bit later to then come and see the baby. So at least he was able to do that for that hour. And then um, went home and then was able to come in the next day as well. 
So luckily we got discharged. So it was that day, the 7th, and then we got discharged the 8th. So luckily on the 8th, during the discharge and so on, we were able to just be there for longer than just an hour. Just help you with the packing and just getting everything ready, signing whatever documents that need to be signed. So luckily for that part, it went quite okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners, whether that be resources, advice, anything else from your birth that you want them to take away with? Um, I think the most important thing is um, for them to surround themselves with people who will be of good energy through their pregnancy, people who will um, be there for them, support them in every step of the way, uh, be there to guide them and so on. And, you know, it just also helps to have people who have experienced, you know, the whole pregnancy and so on. Not that um, you're saying whatever advice that they give you would be exactly what you need and what could be happening in your pregnancy, but you at least kind of have an idea of what you're facing or what you're going to face and so on. Because I know there'd be times when I go through something and I'm like, whoa, am I even supposed to be going through this? <laughs> and then I check with my friend, I'm like, uh, this is what's happening. And she'd be like, oh no, it happens. And then that just helps. That really helps because it, it just alleviates the whole panic mode and stuff. And then you just know that, okay, there's someone actually who's going through this and they kind of have an idea of what's going on. And not only um, them, but obviously also your friends who um, haven't experienced that either. It's also good to just get advice from them because sometimes as much as we always just prefer to get advice from people who have been through something, it's also nice to get advice from people who haven't been through that because they just bring that lighter note and just that positivity sometimes. So yeah, that and then my people being my resources pretty much. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just be like, uh, this is happening. And then they're the ones who just be like, ah, it's all good. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's panic now. Go to the doctor. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I think right. It speaks to even how we use um, our birth stories to share information as a resource as well, and how this story is going to help someone else. Exactly. Exactly that. So you are the resource at this point. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's that, and obviously I read, I read a few, I'd read like articles here and then, um, check out, you know, a few magazines and stuff, and what other things was I doing? Yeah, I think it's that in terms of resources, in terms of just people, and yeah, never be afraid to ask as, as much, or never be too shy to, Obviously, with the circle of, of people you have, if you are comfortable with those people, it, it would also just make it easy for us. Very random things. I mean, if we being friends, some, some people go through like constipation and stuff. And it's, 
if you have someone who you can be like, uh, dude, I haven't been to the trailer to pay my rent in so many days. And then the person is able to say, okay, no, just try this, try that. And then, you know, just being frank with someone that you can really, really, it's a very, it's a very beautiful journey to go through. And it's just so beautiful to be able to go through it and be able to share it when you feel like you want to be sharing it and to share those people that you want to even be sharing it with. So, yeah, that's, I think that's the advice that I can give. Well, thank you for sharing your story and thank you for those resources, advice. Um, we really, really appreciate it. Me too. I just um, hope that we have more listeners outside of the United States and that people are able to still connect and have very similar birth experiences um, and that there's still common ground among people of color, no matter where you get you're at. Thank you for such a wonderful platform. Like it's, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, there might not be others who are able to say, hey, thank you for this, thank you for that, but I know there's tons more people that you're reaching out to more than you. You're not going through this journey alone or whatever it is that you're going through, someone has went through it. Or even sometimes you look at something and you're like, okay, I'm actually not facing the worst. People are having it real hard out there. You know, so it's, yeah, it's, it's very beautiful. It's very beautiful. And to be able to share that with people of color. So sometimes you're like, has it really happened to us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really amazing to have that thanks for listening to birth stories in color to hear this show and other episodes head to birthstoriesincolor.com 